Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Ram Das. And our neighbors. <laughs> and so many people on the altar. So important to remember those who died in Newark, one of our Sangha members whose mother just died. She lives in Houston and asked if we could put her picture here. Michelle's brother, a neighbor's cat, all these people that we remember, beings that we remember, because it's important to remember to pause, to slow down in our life and appreciate what we do with this one little blip. As one comedian says, you know, that mostly we're dead for most of the time. <laughs> and yet we have this amazing opportunity to actually be alive while we're here. And I was talking with someone earlier about, they said, well, it's so hard, it's so hard. You mean I have to pay attention all the time? And I said, well, you have this one little blip. How do you want to do it? got three very long uh, voicemails today from my father, each one with a full reminiscence of times that we used to go to see Ram Das. When I was a kid, I used to use Be Here Now as a coloring book. I thought it was a coloring book. It was. <laughs> <laughs> And my dad really felt very drawn to this man. So he used to bring me, it was like actually one of the few things that we used to do together, would go see Ram Das. And I remember during the height of the AIDS pandemic, he came to Syracuse where we lived and I don't know, I think it was 14 or something. And, and he talked about how he had his guru's picture on his altar and a picture of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> the same size. And he said, the practice is worth nothing if I don't see them as equal. I was so moved by that. 
because I grew up in a very kind of activist, socially engaged house where there was a lot of, you know, talk. And it felt like this really different way of experiencing life. What if our work is not about division, but about love? And really looking at where we are stuck. And today I was thinking about, you know, I have a little Trump Buddha (laughs) on my desk. And I'm still at it, inspired really by Ram Dass. Really looking at the places where I'm holding back. And reading every morning a bit from the white supremacist website that I read. Also, I realize, is also in debt to his teaching. That kind of courage to really read and look at where I'm contracting, where I'm dividing the world, where I'm not allowing love. And our teacher, she often talks about really the practice being about unconditional love. Which of course doesn't exclude anybody. Ramdas says, unconditional love really exists in each of us. It is part of our deep inner being. It is not so much an active emotion as a state of being. It's not I love you for this reason or that reason. Not I love you if you love me. It's love for no reason. How many of us practice with them? I remember when I was 16, I went again to see Ram Dass with my dad. And I went up to talk to him afterwards because I decided I had to have a teacher. And he said, just be patient. And then it will become clear. We're not in charge of time. But to me, the amazing thing is the willingness (coughs) to keep showing up, to keep investigating. And I think of our teacher's love of Ram Dass too, and how much her dedication to practice, like she can't wait for session in her 92nd year. She's like, it's amazing that people would miss that, this rare opportunity. to investigate, 
to really use everything. It's never convenient. Practice is not about convenient or easy. In the 24th case, which is one of my favorite cases of the Blue Cliff record, it's Quaishan and Iron Grinder Lou. I love her and I love their relationship. So of course she lived at a time when it was not easy for women to practice. So she lived outside the temple gate and she's like, okay. It wouldn't stop her. It wasn't convenient, for sure. And the koan is, Iron Grinder Lu arrived at Kweishan. Kweishan said, Old cow, you've come. The grinder said, Tomorrow there's a great communal feast on Taishan. Are you going, teacher? Kweishan relaxed his body and lay down, and the grinder immediately left. And that's the end of the call. She's often described like a stone struck spark, like a lightning flash. Many of the monks were terrified of her <coughs> because there was not a moment she wasn't practicing. <coughs> How do we, so staying in that essential place and not missing a beat. Outside the monastery, she had to walk about six miles to get to the, her teacher's monastery. And often she went every day, six miles there, six miles back on foot. Not easy, not convenient. Someone once said to me that well, it's hard to get to the Zendo because, you know, I live uptown. <laughs> and then I think of the iron grinder. Living six miles by foot. The practice is not easy. And to me, Ramdas is also his beautiful, loving heart. was not from not always practicing. The steadiness of his devotion was amazing. So this encounter between Often in these koans, you'll find the teacher challenging the student, but in this 
koan you find the grinder challenging her teacher, which I find delight, especially delightful. So he says to her, old cow, so you've come. This deeply affectionate insult. But in Zen, the kind of insult is of deep appreciation. And the grinder says, tomorrow there's a great communal feast at Taishan. Are you going to go, teacher? Which is many, many, many miles away. Impossible to get to. And he just relaxed his body and lay down like at a feast. Is there a tomorrow? When will you fully inhabit this life that you have? Not wait for tomorrow. Not wait for some idea of what's impossible. But fully inhabit your practice just as it is. Satisfied, she just left. Do you allow yourself to challenge yourself in that own way? in the way that the grinder challenges her teacher. Do you challenge yourself to say, like, what are you waiting for? Tomorrow? Some other time? Easy to do that. But the verse on this koan says, once riding an iron horse, she entered the fortress. How do you enter the fortress? What you think you can't enter. In her day, what women typically were not even allowed to enter. How do you allow yourself to enter areas of your own being that you feel like you couldn't have? How do you investigate beyond which you limit yourself? <clears throat> or what others say, oh, you can't do that. There's a beautiful poem that Fang Su wrote about her. He says, standing on the summit of the highest peak, unknown to demons and outsiders, walking on the bottom of the deepest sea, unseen even by Buddha's eyes. So what is that? 
What is that way of being in the world? The highest peak reaching way beyond what you could imagine. Unknown to demons and outsiders. Maybe to the parade outside. Maybe somebody's having a very good time. And walking on the bottom of the deepest sea to reach that range, that verticality of experience, that it's always available. Amidst horns, gymnasiums, and parades. Amidst our grief of our losses. And our joy. But to me, to be able to really work to go beyond what we think is possible. Beyond our conditioning is the joy of practice. We already know what we know. And it's so amazing how we often give so much to what we know, which is often our limitations. Our limitations of identity, what's right and wrong, But to me, the beauty of this poem, too, is like it's unseen even by the Buddha's eyes. So it's not even in the idea of a Buddha seeing anything. <coughs> no demons can see you, and neither can the Buddha. You're just doing what you're doing. Or like Ram Dass, bowing to his guru and Reagan together in total equanimity. <coughs> so what would that be like? To ride into the fortress of your life, of where you think is impenetrable, and see something new. You know, as we prepare to end this year, really think about how you can deepen your practice to really explore this unconditional love. To me, the love that Kweishan and the grinder had for each other, that they could freely play in the Dharma together, challenge each other, support each other. But it only take, comes with that kind of commitment. <coughs> In January, we start our commit to sit our 90 days of deepening our practice together. Really encourage you, if you haven't signed up, to sign up and to think about how you want to deepen your practice.
for 90 days, what will you do? What could you do to allow yourself to experience a little bit more depth and a little bit more height? A little bit more of the unknown. And before that, we prepare for that by this vow ceremony on New Year's Eve to really think about a quality that is important to you, not a New Year's resolution. You know, some people choose things like transparency or vulnerability or courage to think about a quality that you want to, and maybe you need, to deepen, to widen out, to have a bit more love and joy. So think about the medicine you need and go for it. We have this one blip, this precious blip, as our, those who have gone before us remind us. What will we do? How will we love? As a way of honoring those who go before us and honoring that we have this amazing opportunity to love more. Thank you.